from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I hope this finds you well. My name's Sean Kelly, and this is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk both football and basketball. On the football side, we'll check in a bit later with Benjamin Hockman. He's a columnist for the Denver Post. He's our guest today to help us preview the Denver Broncos and New England Patriots this weekend in the AFC Championship ball game on Sunday. We'll also touch upon Saints football and welcome in Morton Anderson, the NFL's all-time leading scorer, is our guest today as he's been named a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We talked to Mr. Anderson about that honor, about what's going on with him post-football now and how he sees things across the NFL and especially with kickers in general, maybe even a thought or two about Ray Guy today. He is also a finalist for the Hall of Fame, and perhaps if Anderson and uh, Guy go in together, we'd get two specialists into the Hall of Fame for the first time ever. And then on the basketball side, we'll recap last night's ball game at New Orleans Arena. The Pelicans tried to snap that losing streak, but fell just short, losing to the Rockets 103-100. The Pelicans are now 15-23. and They've lost to seven straight, and uh, we know this, that John DeShazer visited with Eric Gordon after the game last night. And that's certainly a part of our Black and Blue Report today as well. What else is on our minds today? Well, Tom Brady's back at practice, or at least due back at practice today for the Patriots. He missed yesterday due to an illness. And on the NBA side, the Pelicans' next opponent, Golden State, lost last night. They fell to the Denver Nuggets at home. Interesting home loss for the Warriors. We'll see them on Saturday night. Military Appreciation Night at New Orleans Arena. That tip-off is at 7 o'clock. And the Miami Heat have lost three in a row now as well. Last night losing to the Washington Wizards, a team that can shoot themselves right out of a game and then also shoot themselves into an upset win like they did last night. All right, so the Pelicans at 15-23 and 23 now have dropped the first two games of this homestand and four straight in their division overall. The two losses to Dallas last weekend, the uh, close loss to San Antonio on Monday, and then the uh, loss to Houston last night. Uh, these last two games, they've played very well, though. Extremely competitive, despite having to do without uh, Ryan Anderson and Drew Holiday, of course, and Tyreek Evans missed another game last night. Still has that bad left ankle, which includes now a bone bruise. But or- or Eric Gordon tried to do his best. Boy, 35 points last night, 33 of which came in the first three quarters. But EG only scored two in the fourth. And uh, after taking a, a small lead into the fourth, the Pelicans fell last night 103-100. It was just the fourth time this year that Houston's had a comeback win in the fourth quarter. Of a historical nature, Anthony Davis fell just short of cementing a spot in franchise history. Davis had a great game, 24 points and seven rebounds, but he failed to meet uh, the threshold he had set for himself in three prior games. In three straight games, Davis had scored at least 21 points and recorded at least 11 rebounds. Uh, that had been done before in franchise history, but no one had ever done it four games in a row. Came awfully close last night. So a good show online for you today. Hopefully you'll help us spread the word. Don't forget, folks can see us 
on iTunes, on the two team apps for the Saints and the Pelicans, and of course on their desktops too at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Don't forget you can follow on Twitter at BlackBlueReport or you can follow me personally at Sean Kelly Live. Benjamin Hockman, Morton Anderson, Eric Gordon, all coming your way in just a moment. We'll start with post game from the locker room last night of the Pelicans lost to the Rockets when we come back. Here's a valuable lesson I've learned as an Intergy customer. Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at EntergySavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to programming your thermostat, the Intergy videos walk you through it. Visit EntergySavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people. Intergy. Basketball fans of all ages, NBA All-Star 2014 is coming to New Orleans and tips off with four days of basketball action. February 13th through the 16th, NBA All-Star Jam Session transforms the New Orleans Ernest Memorial Convention Center into 40 interactive activities. Fans can test their skills, score free autographs from NBA stars, and pick up the hottest NBA All-Star merchandise. Jam Session is your family's ticket to everything NBA All-Star. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours today at NBAevents.com. This is Pelicans guard Eric Gordon, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Still to come, Benjamin Hockman and Morton Anderson, too. All right, let's get back to the Pelicans ballgame last night. Again, losing 103-100. The Pelicans led by as many as 17 in the second quarter, 14 in the third, and then after surviving a Houston push in the third, took a small lead to the fourth, but couldn't finish last night. Uh, as Eric Gordon only scored two in the fourth quarter. Darius Miller had a decent look, angle right from three to try and tie it and send us to overtime, but uh, it fell uh, off the uh, mark. So the Pelicans are now 15-23 and 23 on the year. Our own John DeShazer had a chance to catch up with Eric Gordon last night following the loss. 33 points in three quarters, 35 for the game. Is this the pre-injury Eric Gordon because you seemed as, as good and as vibrant as you ever had? Well, yeah, it's just, I knew it was just going to take time and, you know, just to get the feel of the game because I've only played, what, 50-some games over the past two years. And uh, and it's good to, you know, get back in, into the right mind frame and uh, do the things I need to do. Now, with this depleted lineup the way it is, you seem to be carrying heavy, heavier offensive load, and certainly we saw that tonight against Houston. Just, you know, talk about your feelings in a game like this because you guys get close to winning, but, you know, again, you come up a little short, but certainly you seem to carry your share. Your share. Well, it was good because um, as long as we have a chance to win it, then it makes me feel well, you know, even if we even if we lose, just to have a chance to win, and um, and we did, and, you know, against a good team. So we're going to just, we're just, we're a young team. We're still learning each other, and with all the, you know, injuries and chaos that we have been. Now, Going up against James Harden, it seemed like you rose to that challenge. We heard you talk earlier about, you know, you've known him since middle school, but it seems like you certainly rose to that challenge. Yeah, you know, sometimes people forget how good I can be. And, uh, you know, we've been we've been through a lot as far as, you know, playing against the top players all the time, USA basketball. We've done, we done seen a lot. So, uh, you know, I just know what I'm capable of. He knows. And, uh, of course, me and him, we always go at it. A game like this, is it? I know you said you know you're happy that you guys have a chance to, to, to be in it, but you know here Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, three close losses. You guys seem to be inching a little bit closer, but not quite over the hump. Is it frustrating, I guess, to, to get there and not be able to quite finish it? Yeah, for sure. But you know, we're, it's just we're doing little minor mistakes, and um, 
which is that's that's fine and and uh it's, it's just mistakes that we can that we can uh that we can absorb and 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 you know move on and and don't make sure we have to make 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 the next mistake the next game. No, we saw Houston kind of junk it up defensively down the stretch, double teaming you, trying to get the ball out of your hands. Is that something that you expect to see a little bit more of? Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, all all teams gonna make an adjustment. That's what it did against the Spurs, and you're not they're not gonna just let me come out pick and roll and get to the lane like that so easily. So um, that's what I expect uh, every game from now on. That's Eric Gordon. Back to you, Sean. All right, John, thank you very much. The Pelicans are back in action on Saturday night when they host the Golden State Warriors. That's the 7 o'clock tip-off. There is a limited amount of tickets still available, and it is a Pepsi friends and family night. All the details on pelicans.com. We'll also be honoring our military on Saturday, too. Don't forget the Monty Williams Show is yours tonight at 8 o'clock on our flagship station in New Orleans. That's 105.3 FM WWL. Every Thursday night we go from 8 until 8.30, and it's our most extensive visit with head coach Monty Williams. We recorded that interview last night, and uh, there are some interesting things on Coach's mind that I know you'll want to catch tonight. Again, 8 Central, the Monty Williams Show. All right, we'll turn our attention to football in just a moment. Bud Light presents NFL Fan Dilemmas. Should I put these Bud Lights on your tab? Just supposed to get this round. Whoa, interception! But on my rounds, we play better. It's good luck when I buy Jeff's beers. But I don't want to buy Jeff's beers. He wouldn't even give me gum the other day. What a shocking turn of events. Absolutely everything going right. Yep, my tab. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Bud Light. For the NFL fans who do whatever it takes. Here we go. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Saturday, January 18th, when the Golden State Warriors come to town. It's Military Appreciation Night at the arena, where tip-offs at 7 p.m., with the Pelicans' best pregame block party getting underway at 5.30, featuring live music, the Sataran Season Ticket Garden, and interactive games for the kids. Tickets start as low as $19 and are available by calling 504-525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter always at Black Blue Report. You get the lineup and uh, all the other nuggets that come around the show. You can also follow me personally on Twitter at Sean Kelly Live as we continue on this Thursday. Football is on our minds here as we're uh, graced by the presence of a New Orleans Saints legend. Uh, he's the all-time leading scorer of the franchise's history. The same goes for the Atlanta Falcons, the other team he played for. All-time leading scorer in the NFL and now a finalist for the Hall of Fame. The Great Dane, Morton Anderson, joins us this morning on the Black and Blue Report. First of all, sir, congratulations. What an honor to be named a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. It it really is. When you start looking at the names that have been on that list and uh, for many years, and some of them have gotten into Canton, Ohio, others are still waiting. It is quite humbling to be among that elite group, and I'm certainly honored and humbled to be even considered for induction. I introduced you by your nickname, the Great Dane. How did that come about, Morton? Uh, you know, I'm from Denmark, and uh, I guess I was pretty big for my size. And they, you know, they used to say when I kicked that the Great Great Dane lifts his leg again. So <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Take me back to the start of your NFL career. I heard, uh, and again, I, I, di- I guess I didn't pay attention to this, this uh, potential Hall of Fame career of yours uh, started rather awkwardly in your inaugural season, didn't it? That is, that's an understatement. <laughs> it, it was due, almost derailed from the very beginning. I was 
heard on the opening kickoff of my NFL career by a guy named Randy Love, of all people, uh, from the St. Louis Cardinals back then. I was on the opening kickoff. I had kicked a touchback, and the upback kept running at me, and I decided to start running away from him, and I snapped my ankle on the turf in the Superdome and was out for eight weeks. The strike came, and that was really kind of a blessing for me. I was able to rehab and get healthy, so when, when games started back up, I was uh, I was able to uh, come back and play, but it was, uh, it was a very ominous start, to say the least. And from that to Mr. Automatic, pretty unbelievable. Um, Morton, you, you mentioned, you know, you, being from overseas, uh, and then making your mark here in this country as a kicker in the NFL. Uh, who uh, You've probably been asked this a thousand times. Who taught you how to kick? I was self-taught, uh, mostly. Now, I, I had great guys around me to, that allowed me the, the freedom to, to and the, the facilities and the equipment to, to get better. Uh, in New Orleans, particularly, uh, Mackie Shillstone, him and I worked uh, diligently together to get in shape and with my skill and sports-specific training and things like that. But really, as far as putting foot to ball, I was pretty self-taught. Now, I looked at, I studied guys like Jan Stenerud and other guys that were soccer-style kickers. But back in the early 80s, there really weren't that many soccer-style kickers. It was just coming into fruition. Uh, and so, you know, I was one of the probably the second generation of soccer-style guys, the first being uh, the Gogolak brothers and Stenerud, and then and you Primian and those type of guys, and then I came in the second wave. And uh, but but it's been it's been great to to now be able to teach younger guys uh, the skill and and watch these. They're so good today. They're so strong and so accurate. It's amazing. The great Morton Anderson joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Morton, you mentioned this this new generation of kickers and how strong they are and, and their backgrounds as such is uh, much different than yours. But yet I find there are still kickers out there whose primary place for kicking is indoors, and then they have trouble translating that to outdoor venues. How were you able to do it? I don't think I differentiated between the environment. I, I really kind of focused on what I controlled, which was my effort and attitude and my workbench and really owning my skill set. And uh, my focus was on that, the moment of truth when my plant foot hit the ground. You know, you're either in the right place, wrong place. And so I really spent a lot of time uh, rehearsing mentally and physically training that particular movement, that skill, so that it became unconscious competence. And I think if you do that as an athlete, you can apply it really to anything in the high-performance business. You have to own your skill set. You have to have confidence, and you have to allow yourself to let the game play you, and uh, trust it enough that you don't overthink things, and you just become an athlete, and you just react. And that's that's really what I tried to do for for my 25 years. After 25 years in the game, what's life without football for you now? It's busy. It, it's uh, it's enriching. Uh, I found passion in uh, fundraising through my foundation, the Morton Anderson Family Foundation. I help special operation forces, soldiers, and their families when they come back from overseas uh, theaters. We also have fitness uh, initiatives to help uh, obesity in young people, uh, boys and girls club. Uh, I have a company, an international consulting company. I sit on a couple of boards, and I do public speaking, and I wrote a best-selling book in Denmark. Other than that, I'm not too busy. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you're, uh, you know, 
full of free time at this point, <laughs> Morton. Morton, <laughs> Morton, if you if you if you get to the Hall of Fame, which we're hoping that's a, it seems so automatic. Um, as far as inducting you into the Hall of Fame, have you given any thought about whom that would be or who that would be, and and um, and how that process would work for you? Yeah, I have given that some thought, and and those thoughts are private at this moment. But uh, and I haven't made a final decision because it's not relevant. Uh, if that uh, becomes relevant, then uh, obviously I'll share it with everybody. But right now, it's I don't want to jinx anything. Plus, there's so many worthy candidates that have been waiting a lot longer than I have. So I, I just want the uh, the process, allow the process to take its course. And uh, if my name is called, I'll be. I'll be grateful, humbled, and, and honored. And if not, I'll, I'll have the patience to wait till hopefully it happens one day. But but right now, th- those thoughts are kind of private with me. Morton, there's certainly a place for place kickers in the Hall of Fame. That's been proven. What about punters? What about guys like Ray Guy? I think Ray Guy belongs based on his uh, his performance, his, <clears throat> you know, his body of work. But I don't have a vote. So, so it doesn't, you know, it's those 46 guys, 43 guys that sit in that room the night before the Super Bowl are the only ones that are going to determine whether Ray Guy or anybody else gets in. But uh, I think uh, the more specialists we can get in there, the Tim Browns, who was a great kick returner, he's a finalist. Uh, I welcome that. Morton Anderson with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Morton, uh, you and Bobby Aber have both played for the Saints and the Falcons the two different teams and a rivalry that's uh, so much a part of our culture down here in New Orleans. Um, are there any comparisons that can be drawn between the way that the two cities or the two teams themselves view the rivalry? I think there are. I think uh, New Orleans is, uh, I wouldn't say more passionate about their football team, but I would say that there are more, uh, there are other professional franchises and other things in Atlanta that buy for the fans' attention. Um, New Orleans is a small, big town, and and, uh, they love their saints. It's part of the fabric of that city. It's almost like a religious experience. Um, And so I I had the feeling at least the 13 years I was in New Orleans that that you were part of something bigger than just the saints. You were part of a community event. You were part of... uh, something larger and your responsibility to uh, to do a good job was bigger than anywhere else that I've played. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that the fans <clears throat> are passionate. They're maybe the greatest fans in, in the NFL, quite honestly, sometimes, sometimes to a fault, you know, but, <laughs> but the, uh, you know, where they stand, win or lose the saints fans and, and, they love you, and I know they hated me for going to Atlanta, and I don't blame them because of Saints fans. But uh, you know, it was a job, and uh, I always will think of myself as a as a Saint, and um, and I have a great great admiration and great love for the city and the people of New Orleans, and I always will. I think you make a lot of people smile when you say that you always think of yourself as a Saint. Seven Pro Bowls, two All Decade teams, uh, the sixty yarder. I think that was against Chicago back in the early nineties. Uh, Morton, before I let yep. you go, I, I have to ask you, is there a favorite kick? Is there a moment that stands out higher than maybe all the rest? Oh, there are. I mean, there's, there were a lot of fun game winners, but but I think in the Superdome on New Year's Eve to put us into the playoffs against the Rams, that was a pretty fun night and a pretty fun kick. And uh, 
Um, so, but there were there were great moments. The 49-yarder against uh, the Dallas Cowboys in Landry's last year in the Superdome. The Niner games that we had, the tough 49er battles. There, there's so many great moments. But and the and the and the games against Atlanta where we beat them beat them you know quite often. It was uh, it's a lot of fun. There's no doubt. It was a lot of fun watching your career, and sounds like you're you're just having more and more fun, just not with a helmet yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's been uh, it's been really. It was tough in the beginning, uh, getting out of football in 2008, and you had to kind of you have to find your way. We don't, you don't you can't underestimate uh, the energy and the passion and the and the guidance that you kind of need in that transition. But once you find your way and your passion, uh, it, it sure is a. Uh, this life after football, and uh, what a huge platform! What a privilege to have that platform that was developed in the NFL now to do other great things, and that's what I choose to do, and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. There's the phrase "the bucket list" um, that's become quite vogue now. Uh, is there something at the top of Morton Anderson's bucket list that you'd be willing to share with us? Oh man, I, I just think uh, watching watching my uh, watching my kids grow up and 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 be successful uh, men and leaders would be uh, something that I would be really proud of. And 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 let's just leave it at that. I think uh, the greatest legacy of any man is is how he did as a father, a husband, and 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 as a leader of the family. So I think watching those two young men that that we have over here uh, grow up to be great people uh, would be a Great bucket list choice for me. Well said. You're very gracious for joining us today. We wish you all the best here in the coming weeks, and I hope that you'll come back soon enough. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Morton Anderson, the great Dane, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Stay tuned. Uh, to be a big announcement as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl. Your mission, win your share of up to $3 million in free play and prizes. M-Life presents License to Thrill, only at Beau Rivage. You could win a trip to London, even a new Mercedes E350. Drawings every Thursday and Saturday. Up to 800 winners, so play for the thrill. License to Thrill, you belong at the Beau. See M-Life desk for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-777-9696. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report continues here as we get ready for championship weekend in the NFL. The AFC side, of course, is a dandy featuring the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots. Our next guest is the columnist for the Denver Post. That's Benjamin Hockman. Ben, greetings from your former home in New Orleans. I miss New Orleans every day. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. How busy has it been in the Mile High City this week? It's unbelievable, and, and uh, even with these marijuana laws passing, you'd think the people in Denver would be more uh, laid back, but everyone is tired up and ready to go talking, talking, talking Bronco. Only you would bring up the uh, marijuana reference here on the Black and Blue <laughs> Report. We've taken the show to new heights. Uh, 
you know, as far as your columns go this week, what have you been writing about? What have you picked to to, uh, to focus in in on at least so far this week? Well, there's no question. It's it, New Orleans' own Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. That's the biggest storyline. But I've also written about Sean Moreno, and he's a name not everyone knows just because he was kind of a bust, really. I mean, people in the South know him just from the Georgia days, but he's been an NFL bust until this season, and now he's, pun intended, busted out uh, over 1,000 yards rushing and been a key blocker and weapon for Peyton Manning. You know, if you listen to the national guys, they say that Brady and Manning will cancel each other out, and a guy like Moreno may be the factor that decides this game. Are you in agreement on that? Oh, it makes sense, and he made some key runs on third down uh, in the playoff victory against San Diego. It's going to be really exciting to see, and, and, and that's a good point. Uh, I mean, both these quarterbacks are poised to play well, so it's probably going to be someone like a, a Julius Thomas or a Julian Edelman or someone like that who makes the breakout play. How many times has uh, Peyton Manning been asked about his legacy this week? Um, I mean, basically, since he got in Denver, it's all about been about his legacy, and, and this week to another level, and, and, and he knows that this is what it's all about, and he knows that I mean, people don't remember um, playoff wins, they remember Super Bowl wins. People don't remember playoff losses, they remember Super Bowl losses, and he's got to get to the Super Bowl, and what a fitting story, Sean, to get there, he's got to get past his nemesis, his Joe Frazier, if you will. It's interesting with regard to how the city is reacting to hosting the AFC Championship. You know, we've heard all the talk in Seattle about their fan base. Certainly New Orleans is well-known. You spent time here. Do the Denver fans get enough credit for their fervor and passion for the Broncos? Uh, they, they should if they don't. I mean, uh, I lived in New Orleans many years, right into the Tom Sikune, and uh, the Saints fans are, are maybe the more passionate fans of any team in any, any part of the country. I mean, I'm, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, as you are. We know how much the Cardinals are beloved in that city, but – I mean, you look at Boston with the Red Sox, you look at New Orleans with the Saints, but really, I think you could put Denver and the Broncos in there. I mean, people always ask me all the time, uh, rank, rank the teams in regards to popularity in Denver. Uh, and I'll, cause I used to cover the Nuggets for many years, and then I would say uh, uh, it's the Broncos 1, uh, Broncos 2, and then uh, maybe whoever's playing well. But, I mean, it's all about the Broncos in this town. Uh, win or lose, and, and when they're winning, it, it's kind of like New Orleans uh, during those Super Bowl during the Super Bowl season. Denver's a great uh, city this time of year. One day it can be fifty-five or sixty, and the next day it can be twenty and snowing. What are they talking about for the weekend? Well, they're saying that it should be okay, and that's good because that was the big thing last season when Peyton Manning and the Broncos lost in the playoffs to the Baltimore Ravens. It was really, really cold, and and Peyton had just an okay game, not a not an unbelievable game. But the weather should be all right. But uh, as you kind of made reference to, the uh, corny joke in Denver is if you don't like Denver weather, just wait 15 minutes. Yeah, no doubt. It seems to be everybody's everybody's city wants to say that. But this time of year, it seems to really fit (laughs) for Denver. Um, Ben, you know this full well as I do. Uh, When you're not in market, uh, you're subjected to, and again, I don't mean to make anybody mad here, you're subjected to the national coverage of the game that we're going to see at Mile High this weekend. And seemingly there's always something left out. The local guys who are with that team day in, day out, week in, week out, have something more to offer. So since you're one of them, what's something that you have to offer that I'm not getting on the national scene? I got nothing for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, here, here's one thing for you. Uh, Denver's defense has been porous for much of the season, but one of the key guys uh, that's clamped down and made big plays 
all season was cornerback Chris Harris Jr. He's out for the year. He uh, he tore his ACL in the playoff game against San Diego. So now the big question is uh, which Bronco backup cornerback will get the start. Um, it's possible that Champ Bailey, here's this crazy storyline, so for over a decade Champ Bailey was maybe the best cornerback in the NFL. Well, this season he's been hurt. Who took over for him? Chris Harris Jr. Champ is now back, and he's been playing at um, a nickel package uh, cornerback position. But they don't think, or we don't think, that he's going to be moved to his old spot because Julian Edelman, uh, the wide receiver, the slot receiver for uh, the Patriots, plays about 45% of the snaps in the slot. So actually it makes more sense to keep uh, Bailey in the nickel packages and maybe rookie Kayvon Webster uh, will get the start in the biggest game of the season for Denver. That's a major storyline. Good stuff there. Benjamin Hockman, the columnist for the Denver Post, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, ben, as a columnist, do you have to make a pick for the weekend's games? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, my pick is Denver. I, I can't see them losing this game at home. Uh, the, the Patriots are not the Patriots that we've seen in previous seasons. Uh, they're banged up. They're kind of, uh, you know, put make makeshift Patriots, if you will. I can't see Denver and maybe one of the best offenses in NFL history uh, losing this game in, in its home field. All right, so if you're right, who does Denver meet in the Super Bowl? Wow. Now that's a good question. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks, but I'm not as confident of that pick as I am in my Denver pick. Okay, all right, fair enough. And also, if you're right, that means you're going to New Jersey for a Super Bowl, outdoors in maybe questionable weather. What's your take on that? It kind of stinks, right? I mean, uh, it, 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 it's like we love we love that that hockey game, the Winter Classic. It, it's kind of a novelty, and they, they play outdoors. And there's snow in the field, and the conditions uh, affect the actual uh, product, the, the game itself. And it's fun for that. But we're talking about uh, the Super Bowl, literally the biggest game uh, in American sports. And it's it's frustrating that it's possible that the weather conditions could affect uh, the outcome of the game. So with that being said, I, I guess you'd agree that Denver should never host the Super Bowl either. Dang it. Uh, I'd really like to host the Super Bowl, though. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I, just, I, I don't get to see uh, my guy Jay-Z that much, so if we hosted the Super Bowl here, he and I could throw a party together and, and, and things like that. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's say, let's say uh, Denver doesn't get a Super Bowl and you're in agreement with me that maybe MetLife Stadium is not the place. Uh, should there be a permanent Super Bowl site or maybe even a rotation of cities that should be the regular hosts? I don't think they would ever do that because uh, there's so, so much politics involved. But I remember uh, Chris Rose, a longtime New Orleans writer, said uh, they, they should. Have, he wrote this during the uh, Rams Patriots Super Bowl that the Super Bowl should be in New Orleans every year. And I would have no problem with that. My liver uh, might think otherwise, but I, I would definitely have no problem going to Giacomo's and Emeralds and Commander's Palace and drinking a beer at Fat Harry's uh, every every late January. Yeah, I kind of figured that's the way you answer. I kind of baited you on that last one. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, that's okay, man. Well, let's see. Will you be able to make it down for Jazz Fest? I know you've been a frequent visitor for that. I'm going to try. Um, basically, my plan is uh, to go to Jazz Fest the first weekend and then uh, go with longtime uh, New Orleans journalist Jeff Duncan and friends to the Kentucky Derby the following weekend. So that'll be super fun. That would be a great back-to-back there, to say the least. Oh, my God. Again, not for my liver, though. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, while I've got you, any thoughts on the Nuggets and what Brian Shaw's doing? You know, it's been an interesting situation with the Denver Nuggets. They've been up and down all season. They'll 
Uh, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not sold on their whole thing yet due to the fact they just don't have good players. And uh, you, you can't blame Brian Shaw for that. Ty Lawson, the point guard, was supposed to ascend this year, supposed to make people think, oh, is this possibly an uh, uh, all-star point guard? And only lately he's come on strong, but, but he struggled a lot early, and they've had injury issues with JaVale McGee and, and Danilo Gallinari. So, I mean, I still think they can maybe uh, squeak into the playoffs, but if they don't make a major trade, or take advantage of a, of a lottery pick. They do have New York's lottery pick this year, or draft pick this year. Uh, I feel like they're just treading water. Good stuff as always. I know that you are slammed this week. Enjoy the football this weekend. And, Benjamin, we'll look forward to seeing you. Uh, maybe at All-Star, but if not, we'll see you at Jazz Fest. Always fun, man. Benjamin Hockman, columnist for the Denver Post, with us here on today's Black and Blue Report. The Pelicans Valentine's three-game flex pack presented by Woodhouse Day Spa is a great gift for the basketball lover in your life. This limited-time offer includes two tickets to any three games of your choice on the Pelicans schedule, including matchups against the Clippers, Thunder, and Heat. Packages start as low as $54, plus the first 200 packs purchased will include a $25 gift card to Woodhouse Day Spa. So call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your Valentine's three-game flex pack today. Are you ready for health care reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about health care reform at bcbsla.com reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com reform and get ready. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. Taking a break from Mayor Landrieu's pothole repair crew. Once again, here's Sean Kelly. Our thanks to Morton Anderson and Benjamin Hockman for joining us today on the Black and Blue Report. Eric Gordon, too, and for the help of John DeShazer, post-game in the locker room last night. Daniel Salerson put the show together for us. He's our producer in Studio B on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly. Hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll see you right back here tomorrow for the Black and Blue Report. Oh yeah, one more thing. Don't forget, Monty Williams' show is yours tonight at 8 Central. If you can't catch it, we'll have some of that for you on tomorrow's edition as Daniel Salerson is set to host. We'll see you the next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.